Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. Okay, everybody, we are here. Um, this is episode 47 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Bob, Justin, um, good morning. Hey, guys. How's it going? I'd like to say uh, also good morning or good afternoon to all of our podcast listeners as well. Uh, I, I Sometimes I realize that I say good morning to you guys, but I don't say hi to all of our fantastic listeners who comment on, all the, on the podcast and send emails and stuff. So, um just a quick thanks for everybody for, for listening in and, and listening to us banter every week. Um, we have a really good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the epic downfall of British Prime Minister Liz Truss, 45, uh, 45 days in office. It's a record. We have um, Elon Musk becoming a mouthpiece for Vladimir Putin. This is a quite an interesting story. Uh, we'll be talking about that. Talking about Kanye West going full Nazi, buying Parler and uh, Donald Trump telling Jews to get their act together. We have our both sides segment where we have some, I mean, really grotesque uh, examples of Republican insanity. Um, So stay tuned for that one. And then in our members only podcast today, we are going to be recounting near death stories, uh, stories of great danger that we've all faced. Um, so that'll be good, good fun topic for the members only podcast. I've got a good story for you uh, about uh, coming close to death uh, one night in Southeast London. So I will, I'll tell you all about that. Um, so uh, Liz Trust, the end of Liz Trust. <clears throat> I want to just because I'm quite plugged into the, the politics scene in in, in the UK. Um, your perspective on this, guys, right? Obviously, the UK is like I'm sure you you. You know, you kind of pay attention, but it's not your. It's not like paying attention to U.S. politics. Um, the perception in the U.S., right? What was your perception of what happened? Like the general kind of like, you know, shit show. Did you? What did you guys think? Like, what was what was the your impression? It's, well, it's it another like, great example of how uh, supply side far right economic policies are just a disaster, and they always are. I, oh, yeah. I've never heard of one situation. In fact, uh, wasn't there Kansas nearly just had an economic meltdown in mm. the previous decade because of tax cuts and spending cuts and all of this supply side horse shit that has oh, time and time again been proven to be uh, uh, non-starters, has proven to be failed economic policy. And you can go down a list of a hundred other examples of this. And that's exactly what happened with Liz Truss. She came in with an entire agenda of supply side economic policies. They all failed because they, because of course they did, they never succeed. And so now the British people are going, uh, now parliament's going, well, what the fuck? (laughs) Why, oh, why did this not work? Well, it's obvious. D- dumb shits keep voting for this crap and it never ever works at some point people are going to have to and this is applies both to american voters and uh, uh british voters jesus wise up this is just i mean how many times are you going to beat yourself over the head with a fucking frying pan before you recognize that these sort of policies are doomed to fail and, well, and that's sort of my perception. It was also entertaining to see, to go back and see some of the video of the spazzy white guys in lower Manhattan on uh, CNBC praising the rise of Liz Truss and her economic agenda. <laughs> There's a Larry Kudlow clip, in fact, where he's like, ah, oh, this is going to work out just great. I mean, it's going to be one of the most fantastic turnarounds in the British economy that we have ever seen. And of course, 45 days later, <laughs> just extended fart noises. A complete disaster. Um, yeah, that's so 
Basically, yes, that's the perception in, in Britain as well, right? That's the, it, it was a, a failure of free market economics, right? That the, the public rightly saw that this was a disaster. The markets saw that this was a disaster too, right? So the, the thing is, is that Liz Truss was elected by the Tory party itself, right? By the membership, the Tory party members. So she, has, she had no mandate for this. I think um, that the public is actually fed up with free market economics too, right? So they, um, you know, Boris Johnson actually wasn't a kind of a, a supply sider. He he was actually a kind of a much more liberal Tory. Um, and, you know, he didn't buy into all this, like, you know, tax cuts for the rich and austerity measures and whatnot. Um, so he, Boris Johnson actually kind of built this interesting coalition um, in the UK of former Labour voters, particularly in the North, um, who kind of bought into this new Tory ideology, right? This new kind of, um, it was a deviation away from supply-side economics, right? But the Tory party membership, you know, basically just incinerated that in a, num- in a matter of days. They voted Liz Truss in, right? She, she, she won, she beat Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak is a, is a more moderate, sensible um, politician, uh, you know, who who rightly said that Liz Liz Truss's plans were incredibly dangerous and would throw the markets into chaos, which he they did. Um, but they they voted for her anyway because of this insane belief in markets, right? Insane belief that um, every societal ill can be cured by with free market capitalism by just cutting taxes for rich people uh, and then unleashing the potential growth potential, whatever the fuck that means. Now it doesn't even mean anything. Right. It's like we know what happens when you cut taxes for rich people during particularly during a recession or particularly during bad economic times. They stash their cash away. They, this happened after 2008. Right. When the banks collapsed in 2008, um, the, you know, Obama was forced to give uh, the banks these giant, you know, this, remember the stimulus, all those stimulus negotiations. Yep. So that huge $800 billion stimulus um, package was jammed full of tax cuts for the for the rich because Republicans wouldn't let it through Congress, right, um, unless it was stuffed full of tax cuts. And they did some study afterwards about what happens with all the money that was given back to the rich, right? And they basically sat on it and didn't spend it. So this idea that giving rich people money... Um, uh, tax cuts um, during bad economic times is going to unleash economic growth is is nonsense it's absolute nonsense we know we know what works we know that government spending is what is what pulls everybody out of of um uh you know an economic abyss right because the government is defying the will of the market right the market is telling everybody to be scared it's going maximum fear and panic and the government then steps in to reassure everybody and say, hold on a second, you know, we're all right. Um, you know, we're going to invest in projects that wouldn't get done in the private sector because there's too much fear in the market. So the government's going to step in um, and, and sort this out, right? Which is exactly, you know, what happened after 2008. The government, big government spending package brought the economy back on track, the global economy back on track. Liz Truss, for some bizarre reason, just thought, okay, yeah, I can just do the same I can use this these tax right economics uh, during a time of like spiraling gas prices, like r- massive inflation. Um, it was absolute lunacy, and the markets panicked, right? Because that's what markets do. So it's sort of a. I, I was thinking about this, right? That you've got this logical conundrum where, if you're a free market ideologue, you believe in the power of the market at all costs, and you come into government. And you unleash the power of the free market. And the free market then tanks after it's been unleashed, right? Which is essentially what happened under this trust. Who's right? Is the market right about the was the market right about Liz Trust or was Liz Trust right about the market? Right? And neither can be true, if you think about it, right? It, it's a it, it, it's a completely illogical. So if Liz Trust is correct that the market is infallible, then the market's absolute rejection of, of all of her ideas must be right, which is then a refutation of free market economics, right? So the whole thing refutes itself. So it makes no sense, but this is what happens when you get fucking bonkers ideologues. Um, so her government failed 45 days 
right? This is um, so. This is on NPR. Liz, Liz Truss is expected to leave office as the United Kingdom's Prime Minister in the coming days. That tenure, which will likely fall, fall short of sixty days, would give her a claim to being Britain's shortest-serving Prime Minister. George Canning, who is usually thought to hold the record, served for 119 days in 1827 until his death from tuberculosis. So the only person uh, with a comparable reign was a guy who died. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it was an absolute disaster, right? Um, I mean, I, I, part of me kind of feels a little bit sorry for them i i do feel sorry for liz Truss. it must it's you know the humiliation is is incredible right the the british press are brutal right i mean i'm sure you guys saw that uh, i think it was the daily star uh did a live webcam they put it up on their twitter feed of a lettuce uh and they wanted to see whether liz Truss could outlast the lettuce and um she did yeah. not uh, she did not <laughs> She did not out, outlast the, the lettuce outlived the prime minister. Yeah, and, um, and the, 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 the amazing thing about that is that that sort of thing wouldn't happen here, right, with the press. Like, when, when Truss, Truss annihilated the economy and then the British press completely annihilated her, like, everyone knew what had happened and mm. whose fault it was. Right. There was no there was no dancing around it. There was no, well, you know, both parties or none. There was none of that bullshit. Everyone knew the frickin Tories had fucked it up. Liz Truss had fucked it up and everyone was pissed off at the conservatives. When that sort of thing happens here, when the big banks and the Republicans, because they're usually the ones who implode the economy, the press goes out of their way to make sure that's not who you blame. You don't blame their tax cuts. You don't blame the big banks. You, you know, you have to talk about, you know, how the economy, the global, blah, 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 blah. And then if you can, blame Occupy Wall Street. Anyone else except for the people who actually do it. But they don't do that in, um, in the UK. They just went right after her with like, you know, like torches and pitchforks. And it was like, well, that was refreshing to see. Why can't we get that here? Yeah, right. I mean, the British press is, I mean, they, they are gruesome, right? I mean, absolutely <laughs> gruesome. But in, sometimes it's just, it's comedy gold, right? It really was comedy gold watching a lettuce outlive, uh, <laughs> outlive, outlive a prime minister. Um, but where we go from now, apparently Boris Johnson is, is, um, is eyeing up a return. Good uh, so this, this should be funny. This should this should be hilarious. I mean, the one good thing I, I you know I was back in the UK when a lot of when when Liz Truss um, came to power. In fact, I was leaving the UK on the day she was elected. Um, good timing by, by the Tory Party membership, right? Um, but I was there, you know, and my my family were kind of um, quite incensed by the whole thing because they thought that Liz Truss, you know, they suspected Liz Truss was going to get in, and they were all kind of worried about it. And given the the economic climate in the UK. Uh, and, um, you, you know, my, but my contention was that it, actually this was a good thing. Let Liz Truss get in, right? She's going to fuck this up royally. She's going to make a complete pig's ear out of this. And uh, this will pave the way for a Labour government, right? And Labour under Keir Starmer is actually quite sensible. Like, Keir Starmer's a sensible guy. He's gotten rid of all the lunatics in the party, the Corbynistas and the, and the far-left anti-Semites and whatnot, that they've all been... Um, kicked out so the Labour Party is actually quite a sensible party now and incredible so um, I, I thought it would be two years of kind of misery and then uh, trust would would um, you know they'd have to call the general election after two years and they'd get voted out I hadn't quite predicted um, <laughs> let us gate uh, yeah I hadn't quite predicted <laughs> it would it would last all of 45 days Um so, that's only because the queen died. It would have been even shorter otherwise. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was given a honeymoon period during when the when the queen when the queen died. Right, that was a that was her time off. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, I I I feel I'm I've been vindicated somewhat. I, I I spoke to my brother yesterday, and I was like, I see, I told you, I told you, this is <laughs> this is this is great. The Tory party is is incinerating itself, um, and uh, yeah, they're being made to pay a price for it. And you're right, Justin, the media does hold, you know, they, they are holding the Tories to account for this. 
right? They're, they're, the media is tethered to reality, right? And even the Tory party in the UK, like you can see what reality does to um, uh, the Tory party. Reality basically destroyed the Tory party. Unfortunately, in America, we're in this situation where reality doesn't appear to have much of an effect. At least it's a delayed reaction, right? I, I feel like um, we had four years of Trump because, you know, there, there's a kind of a delayed reaction um, from reality. You know, Obama is always fam famous for saying that, you know, reality has a way of asserting itself. I would say that I would posit that in America, reality has a way of asserting itself um, a, a little bit too late sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and then have say that again. Fading very, very quickly. Yes. And then fading again. Right. And then fading again. And then, um, you know. Uh, but anyway, an interesting lesson from from the from the UK. I do hope this is a lot of people are saying this is kind of the end of supply side economics. Um, I, I hope that to be the case. I think it's a bankrupt ideology that outlived its usefulness in the eighties, um, in the in the seventies probably. Um, and yeah, good riddance and good riddance to, to Liz Truss. Uh, I have family member who worked under her and said she was just awful, absolutely awful. Oh, um, so she's yeah. just a terrible person in person as well. Uh, I don't know if she's a terrible person, but she's just—I mean, just not a good leader, not good, not competent, not good at what she does. And anyway, yeah. uh, For, forgive the obvious joke. This is what happens when you uh, elevate a prime minister uh, whose last name is the same as uh, a medical <laughs> a piece of medical equipment that holds your hernia in place. <laughs> Yeah, trust by yeah. name, trust by nature, right? No, yeah, no. yeah, no. not a fun situation to be in. Sure, no. Well, the hernia has not been held in place. <laughs> <laughs> I would say. Um, so anyway, uh, let's let's move on to uh, the. There was a fascinating piece in Politico. I actually quoted this in an article I wrote um, that was published on Friday on the Russia-Ukraine crisis, right? And it's about Elon Musk, who has put forward a peace plan on Twitter. I, I can't remember which day he did this. This was earlier in the week or last week. Uh, he put together a peace plan, that we, which was then essentially like laughed off of Twitter. And then um, he threatened to stop paying for um, internet access for the Ukrainians. Right. So the, Ukraine is now almost entirely dependent on Starlink, right? Elon Musk's. Um, right. satellite internet service and um Musk said yeah i'm not going to pay for this anymore uh he was then forced to backtrack after there was a huge outcry um but there was an an article in politico it was an interview with um uh fiona hill who we've, we've talked about before Hill has been a vocal critic of vladimir putin um she's a foreign policy expert she's been you know for for, for a long time been warning about putin's ambitions so she had this there was an interview with her in Politico and it was absolutely fascinating um, because here's what she said, right, about um, Elon Musk's peace plan that he put forward on Twitter. This is what um, Hill said. She said, it's very clear that Elon Musk is transmitting a message for Putin. There was a conference in Aspen in late September when Musk offered a version of what was in his tweet, including the recognition of Crimea as Russian because it it's been mostly Russian since the 1780s, and the suggestion that the Ukrainian regions of Kurzon and Zaporizhia should be up for negotiation because there should be guaranteed water supplies to Crimea. He made this suggestion before Putin's annexation of those two territories in September 30th. It was a very specific reference. Kurzon and Zaporizhia essentially control all the water supplies to Crimea. Crimea is a dry peninsula. It has aquifers, but it doesn't have rivers. It's dependent on water from the Dnipro River that flows through a canal from Kurzon. It's unlikely Elon Musk knows about this himself. The reference to water is so specific that this clearly is a message from Putin. Right? That's pretty fascinating. Um, that's pretty fascinating. And this goes into a, uh, a broader strategy um, that Putin is employing. In, in the West, right, where he's he's using messengers, right? Basically, he's using messengers. He's not negotiating directly with, with the US anymore, but he's using messengers, which are other kind of oligarchs like himself, right? He has this kind of network of like unfathomably wealthy billionaires who he speaks to. Because if you think about it, right, the, who's the biggest oligarch in the world? Who's the biggest oil oligarch in the world? It's Vladimir Putin, right? 
yeah, I mean, you could call him the, the you know the president of Russia or the prime minister of Russia. He, sorry, rather the president of Russia. He's not. He's an oligarch. Like he's just an oil baron who happens to control a state. Um, but he uses it. You know, he's regarded as the richest man in the world. Like I think you know there are several investigations into how much wealth Putin has, uh, and um, basically it's not on paper, but he's probably the wealthiest man in the world. So. Um, this is what Fiona Hill said. Putin plays the egos of big men and gives them a sense that they can play a role. But in reality, they're just direct transmitters of messages from Vladimir Putin. Um, so this there, is quite interesting. Was, well, there was something else in that tweet, as in that set of tweets as well. Um, he referred to uh, Ukraine as, um, I hope I put it, Khrushchev's, Khrushchev's, Khrushchev's mistake, which mm. is a very specific uh, Russian-specific reference. Because I, because I, because I, I read about it, I was just like, why, why would he use that particular phrase? That's like someone outside the United States talking about um, Confederate statues as Southern heritage. It's like you don't think of it that way unless you're a Southern person who's really into like the lost cause mythology. Right? That's mm. like that's a United States specific type of um, mental frame uh, frame of reference. So mm. this is something he wouldn't have thought of on his own. This is something he got specifically from someone who told him to say that, which mm. is really disturbing that he's a mouthpiece. Yeah. So the, this is what Hill, Hill says um, she, in the interview with Politico. She says, she, this is um, a point I tried to make when I testified at the first impeachment trial against President Trump. There's a direct line between that episode and now. Putin has managed to seed hostile sentiment toward Ukraine. Even if people think they are criticizing Ukraine for their own domestic political purposes, because they want to claim that the Biden administration is giving too much support for Ukraine instead of giving more support to Americans, etc., they're replaying the targeted messaging that Vladimir Putin has very carefully fed into our political arena. People may think that they're acting independently, but they are echoing the Kremlin's propaganda. Right. And she goes on, and she says, what Putin is trying to do is to get us to talk about the threat of nuclear war instead of what he's doing in Ukraine. He wants the US and Europe to contemplate, as he says, the risk that we faced during the Cuban Missile Crisis or the Euro Missiles Crisis. He wants us to face the prospect of a great superpower war. His solution is to have secret diplomacy, as we did during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and have direct compromise between the United States and Russia. Um, so... You know, this is essentially what Fox News is doing, right? Fox News has become a, a mouthpiece for the Kremlin. That's what they talk about constantly. This is what Tucker Carlson talks about constantly. And this is what figures on the alt-left alt are talking about constantly, right? They're constantly Ooh, yeah. talking about how, you know, this is, could result in nuclear war and we're, we're like, we're, you know, the Biden administration is playing with fire um, and, you know, we could all, you know, we could destroy the planet, um, which is like... I don't think any analyst really takes the threat of of a, of a nuclear holocaust seriously, right? They they look at what's happening in in Russia. We know whether he's moving his nukes. He ha he's not moving any short range nuclear weapons. Um, we've told him what we'll do to him if uh, if he does. He's not doing it, right? The threat for nuclear war is low. Obviously, it's a threat, um, and this is a very serious situation. But um, you know, Putin is, he's spreading this message in the in the US and he's got all these, I don't know how much of it is in, intentional and how much of it is, you know, is Tucker Carlson, for example, like, you know, is he doing this unconsciously or consciously? I don't know. That's it. I feel like that's, a, that's, a, that's an open question, right? Um, but if he's got Elon Musk, basically, he's got Elon Musk, mm -hmm. You know, now tweeting out to his 109 million Twitter followers, uh, he, you know, they're they're so, they're distorting the perception of what's happening in um, in Ukraine, right? It's like it's as if um, both, you know, it goes into a whole this whole idea of both sides, right? That both sides are bad, right? That both sides are, you know, when Ukraine like blew up the the the, the Kherson Strait Bridge, right? That you know this was an act of terrorism, right? And the US is funding terrorism. Oh yeah, um, Michael Tracy went. Michael Tracy went nuts over that. He lost his mind over the bridge. He's like, "Oh my God, they they kill it. They're killing civilians." I'm like, "I'm sorry, you 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 are aware they're at war, aren't you?" <laughs> like right. that, that's what happens in war, and you haven't. He hasn't said a word about mm. like the thousands and thousands of civilians that have been killed in Ukraine by Russia. 
Mm. He hasn't said a word about that, but oh, he was really upset about, you know, a couple of civilians got killed on the bridge. That's, yeah. That was, that was a, that, um, a bridge too far. Sorry. A bridge too far. But uh, that was yeah. too much. I, I wrote about this in, in, in my piece on Friday about Michael Trey. I mean, it's crazy, right? The lefts, this is the alt left and the alt right converging again, right? The alt, but the, the foreign policy is just, it's just dumb. It's just really stupid. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Tracy's saying, "Well, I only look at these these um, these things through the eyes of U.S. foreign policy." I mean, what? Right, you're just admitting that you can't think outside of your own ideological constraints, out of this very strict ideology you have that the U.S. is bad and everybody else is good. That you won't analyze anything, you won't look at anything outside of that framework. Right? It's like almost confessing how stupid you are. Um, but it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I, it, it's kind of worrying how much influence uh, the, the Kremlin has, right, uh, on, on discourse in American society. It really has infiltrated America at a very deep level, at a very, you know, there's, there's a rot in, in America. Oh, um, yeah. Every time I talk to a tanky, that's all I ever hear from them is how Biden's going to start a nuclear war over the Crimea. And it's like. Are you serious? Like Russia has no responsibility for this. It's just us, and that's all I ever hear from them. Yeah, yeah, um, and and I think it's get you know all this stuff about you know again it goes back to Trump being a Russian asset, right? It's like I don't know how much clearer the evidence could be now, right? Like I don't know. Like now we know how far you know Putin's reach, right? It it just makes total sense that Trump this this is. It's a no-brainer, right? That the Russians just—they they just saw him as a useful idiot. Well, it's no. not just him; it's the Republican Party. I mean, McCarthy has made it super clear that if the Republicans take back the House, they're going to cut off funding as soon as they can mm. to Ukraine. They may—they may keep it for a little while because you know it's going to be unpopular, but they'll find any excuse to cut off, and Putin knows it. He just has to get his assets in place and he'll be able to cut off American aid to Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. And and it's bad, right? You know, because I think the whole international order is is at stake here. Like I think the, the, the stakes could not be higher in, in this um you know, Fiona Hill, her notion is that we are actually in a, a world war, right? This is World War Three. Um it's just playing out in a slightly different way. Then, then obviously it's not you know we haven't got troops on the ground, but we're fighting a proxy war with Russia. Like there's no doubt about that. And it and it is a war, and it's a war not only a physical war, but it's a war of ideas. It's a war of um, you know intelligence. It's a war of information. But we are engaged in a war, and it is essentially you know Western values of, of liberal, liberal democracy versus that of a fascist autocracy. Um, and and I think the states could not be higher. And it's kind of worrying that we've got you know, people like Elon Musk, who is now, I think, is it the, the, the Twitter purchase is about to go through, right? So exciting. Yeah, Can't that's wait. what they said today. Right, so he's going to own, he's going to own Twitter, right? And guess who's coming back on Twitter? Like, <laughs> Trump will be back on Twitter. All of these uh, lunatics spreading disinformation. Um, oh, yeah, well, yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's going to be even better than that. He's already said he's going to fire like 75% of the staff, which means Twitter's going to be overrun with Nazis and child mm -hmm. porn, and he's not going to do anything to stop it. That's right. Because free speech, baby. You know, like in uh, The Dark Knight Rises, where Bane uh, just releases all the prisoners from Blackgate Prison, you know, for the people? <laughs> yep. So that's what Elon Musk is going to do. All the maniacs who have been banned from Twitter because they're a danger to society, mm. back out on Twitter. It's, they're all just going to be released back into the wild. And, uh, you know, we're either going to have to abandon the platform or deal with these assholes. And it's going to be it's going to be ugly. I mean, you know, I've been around the Internet long enough to know when some of these platforms start to disintegrate. Like, remember news groups? There's a time when news groups were lots of fun. And then they just became havens for all of the worst people in the world. So we're going to get uh, exponentially more white supremacy, bro science, incel rage, revenge porn. The doxing is going to be off the charts. Oh, my God, the doxing. Yeah. And no one to police it. You know, because free speech. He's going he's gonna to turn Twitter into Gab and Parler. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or worse, worse, like the Stormfront discussion boards. 
Oh, good. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Four, four kun or whatever they're calling it now. Eight kun. It used to be eight chan. Oh, my God. That's what I mean, uh, Twitter's going to be like. Yeah, which, which sort of leads us into the um, <clears throat> the next uh, delightful segment <clears throat> of this of the podcast. Um, this is our, our, our good friend, uh, Kanye West. Um, so Kanye West, it looks like he's buying Parler, right? Um, which is the insane right-wing cesspool because he got kicked off of Twitter for anti-Semitic, for like in like truly insane anti-Semitism, right? Um, I don't know if you've been following this story much, right? I, like uh, a little you know, bit, he, yeah. He's been going. He wanted he tweeting about going DeathCon three on Jewish people, um, and then saying that he can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jews. We talked about this last week, right? About how. Um, how crazy this was! He he went on Piers Morgan to give to apparently apologise, and I can where he kind of apologised and then didn't apologise. Uh, but he's he was booted off of Twitter and on Instagram, so he um, now he's buying Parler, right? And so this is, um, but this also goes. It's been a strange week for for all this anti-Semitic stuff, right? And and we've got more of this coming up in the both sides segment, but. Uh, Donald Trump as well tweeted this week. He said on on his um, social network, I forget what it's called. Truth, what's it called? Truth, Truth Social. Central. That's what yeah, it's called. I, yeah, I that's, that's what he called it. So I'm just going with that. Right, right. So he says, um, "This is what Donald Trump tweeted. He said, no president has done more for Israel than I have. Somewhat surprisingly, however, our wonderful evangelicals are far more appreciative of this than the people of the Jewish faith, especially those living in the U.S." Those living in Israel, though, are a different story. Highest approval rating in the world could easily be prime minister. U.S. Jews have to get their act together and appreciate what they have in Israel before it's too late. Uh-huh. Um, right. Uh, so anyway, like this, this is, but this, this, this kind of anti-Semitic thing is ripping through the right, um, and you know they're being called out for it on on these social media platforms, uh, but they're now just, get, you can now just go and, st- you know, go and join another one, right? You know, go on to Parler, and that Kanye's buying Parler, which is its which is an absolute cesspool of anti-Semitism and, and hate. Um, you know, Donald Trump has his own social network, True Social Now, where anti-Semitism is um, absolutely fine. I, <clears throat> I don't, I'm getting slightly worried about this. Uh, I, I yeah, you say. should be. It's it's bad. It's ugly as hell, and it's becoming now something that everyone has to jump on board with. I mean, Doug Mastriano was doing it up in Pennsylvania. What, what was so, well, Christ? What did he do? Uh, he was just uh, he was. Uh, I don't. I forget exactly what he was doing, but he was repeating some of the anti-Semitic tropes that we've heard already from Trump and so on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um. <clears throat> You know, there, there's a very interesting. Um, th- there's a book called uh, "Jews Don't Count" by a guy called David Badil. He's a British thinker. He's a British um, uh, commentator. He's a comedian and a uh, political commentator as well. He's a very interesting guy. But <clears throat> he's written a book called "Jews Don't Count." And but one of the ideas in this book, right, is that um, Jew, you know, anti-Semitism Jews at the moment, right, are not afforded the same kind of protection um, as other minorities. In, in America, and that go it's across the political spectrum. It crosses all um, ethnicities. It crosses all demographics. It crosses like um, both both sides of the political spectrum. Right, that you know, on the one hand, according to the left, like you know, Jews are powerful, so that and they have white skin, so they obviously you know they're they're uh, they're white and they don't count as minorities, right? And then on the right, obviously, you have all this the crazy blood libel insane christian um you know kanye was repeating like he was repeating anti-semitic stuff from the far left and the far right you know he was like talking about a jew kind of um what was it what was it uh defiling a good christian woman uh by having sex with kim kardashian by a fireplace or something like that right Jesus. Uh, i mean yeah this is how bad it's getting this is it's, it's getting really really bad um <clears throat> and I start to feel this quite acutely, right? That like, you know, um, you chuck in Israel, right? You say, well, Israel is powerful and Israel controls everything and the Jews control the banks and whatnot. So uh, therefore we're almost, 
Jews are kind of almost um, worse than white supremacists, right? Because we control the banks and we've got Israel and Israel is like a powerful, a powerful state and etc. cetera. Uh, never mind the fact that like, I've never been to Israel. I have no, you know, I've not, nothing to do with Israel or Israeli society. Uh, it There's this assumption that we all consider it our homeland and it's like, no, no, no I don't. Yeah. I don't consider, yeah, I don't consider Israel my, 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 my homeland. I have issues with Israel. I have issues with, with how it was formed and whatnot. Um, that's a whole different debate, right? But it doesn't stop the fact that, um, I, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with my perception of myself as a Jew, right? Uh, or the fact that I'm not counted as a minority uh, and therefore don't have the same, not afforded the same kind of protections, right? So therefore now you, th- 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 there's a sort of casualness with casualness with which we speak about Jews um, in now in the mainstream, right? That it's just out there now. You can just basically say what you want about Jews with with almost with with little little consequence, right? Um, Kanye West was like, you know, he's on Piers Morgan. Uh, he's still out there doing kind of you know talk shows and whatnot in the hip hop world. He's still like you know well regarded and um, yeah, Jews don't count, right? Like David Badil says, Jews don't count. We don't count. And this is dangerous because this is, if you look at the not, you know, what happened in Germany, uh, it was the left and the right converging upon uh, this, this hatred of Jews. So this is how this stuff starts. Uh, Oh yeah, by the way, Mastriano, just real quick, Mastriano was talking about the, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, shoot. Uh, Oh, that Pittsburgh synagogue. Okay. Where there was a, uh, a a mass shooting, yeah, yeah, and he was calling it a privileged, exclusive, elite school. Oh, he can just go fuck himself all yeah, the seriously. way. Yeah, seriously. This is why. This is why when when Trump got elected, and I completely lost my shit, and I told that De- my wife Debbie that I would not be speaking to her mother again because she voted for Trump, and she didn't understand why. I sat her down. And I told her, it's like, right now, because at that time, they were jumping up and down. Republicans were jumping up and down. They were screaming about Muslims, and they were screaming about immigrants. And I told her, none of that matters. I mean, it's going to matter. But what's going to happen is sooner or later, and this was back in 2016, I told her this, sooner or later, they're going to get to the Jews because that's what they always do. And I wrote about this more than once. It's like they always get to the Jews every single time. It doesn't matter what their you know enemy du jour of the is is, but they will always always get to the Jews because they cannot stop themselves. And six years later, here we are. And I I've been ex- like mentioning this to her as it keeps going on, and she's just like, "Holy shit, you were fucking right." And I was like. That's why we've been seriously discussing leaving the country because if Republicans get in power and they lock the door behind them, they're going to fucking start with the pogroms again. I mean, they, I mean, we were talking about this before the, the show started. They will absolutely start because it won't be enough just to be in power and say, you know, there yeah, we, you know, we got into power on the backs of anti-Semitism. Now they have to do something about it. They can't just say we're in power. Thanks for putting us here. We're not going to talk about the Jews anymore. They're going to have to do something about the Jewish problem. They, they have to, mm. and it won't stop. Which look, um, let's we can move on to our both sides, uh, our both sides segment, and uh, unfortunately. <laughs> In, yeah, it's not going to get any happier from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so th- this week in in both sides, I'll, I'll give you my pick. Um, it's that little twerp, Nick Fuentes, who was the um, who's Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gossar, um, their buddy. Um, you know, so what he said, uh, he says that it's no longer anti-Semitic to hate Jews because they don't serve Jesus Christ and need to get the fuck out of America. Fucking little goddamn Muppet. It really, yeah, yeah, Muppet. That's I, I like that word, right? So, but again, like this is like you don't. Uh, we we you know the both side segment is where we highlight right wing um, 
insanity, right? And I look, I will say this about the left. There is anti-Semitism on the left, right? No doubt about it. There's anti-Semitism, excuse me, um, on, on all across the political spectrum. But I say that on the left, it isn't dangerous. Like, it, well, it is dangerous in that what it can lead to, but it isn't, you know, they don't, they're not saying things like this, right? They talk about Israel. They talk about, you know, globalist elites and things like that, right? They, they, do, they do talk about all of that stuff. But they're not explicitly saying things like this, right? Where get the fuck out of America, you know? The, the right wing, I'm telling you, this guy's going to be a big star, right? He's a fringe character at the moment, uh, but this guy's going to be big, right? He's, you know, the more he talks, uh, the more, you know, when Elon Musk, <laughs> I think, Bob, we were talking about this before the podcast, right? When, when, when Elon Musk takes back control of Twitter, this guy's been banned from Twitter. He'll be back. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right? for and, sure. And he'll be able to say all this stuff with no consequence whatsoever, right? Because, you know, anti-Semitism, freedom of speech, you know, that's fine. You can say what you want, uh, even if it mean, even if it leads to uh, the, the, the threat, you know, actual death threats to Jews. I get, I get, you know, look, I get death threats. I get hate mail. I get um, anti-Semitic hate mail constantly. Um, tweets, uh, email. I've got like, I had a whole... Uh, I used to keep them in my email folder, all the all the Jew hate stuff. I wow. get. Yeah, uh, it's comments on YouTube when I was on, um, whenever I would do uh, an interview that I did on on, on any TV show, um, you'd just go through the YouTube comments and and uh, you'd see a stunning amount of anti-Semitism directed at me. Swarthy Jew, I was called. Um, all that Jesus. kind of stuff, right? Yeah, it's, it's fucking crazy. Wow. You just, yeah, you just normalize this stuff. I just, you know, it got to the point where you just think, oh, God, this is, yeah, here we go again with the Jew hate. I got an email recently about that, um, about, uh, uh, you know, my love for Israel, my supposed love for Israel Israel, and how I'm, a, you know, a danger to the country and whatnot. Um, yeah, it's, uh, this is pretty normal, right? And um, this guy, Nick Fuentes, um, is, uh, he's just, he's saying out loud now what, uh, you know, a lot on the right believe. So there you go. There's my pick for the week. Uh, Justin? Yeah, see, I'm lucky. I do not have a Jewish last name. I don't have to put up with all that bullshit. Yay me. So, Because <laughs> God knows how much I would have heard of it by now. All right, so I have Laura Logan. And we're just going to keep the anti-Semitism ball rolling because why not? Um, Laura Logan, once upon a time um, of CBS before she apparently had a complete and total mental breakdown. Um, she was then fired from Fox for continuing her nervous breakdown. And then she ended up on um, Newsmax, where she has now also been fired because of her continuing mental breakdown. Um, she was on, um, uh, what was it? What's his name? Eric Bowling, whatever. She was on one of the shows. She was being interviewed and they were ranting and raving about, you know, Jews. And she just went all the way with the blood libel. Now, for the most part, They've been trying to couch the blood libel stuff in like alternate terms, like, you know, the adrenochrome. They don't actually say it out loud because you sound like a fucking lunatic. But she just decided to go all the way with it. Um, and as she was ranting and raving, she actually got to the part where uh, she just straight up said, and they, the, this is, she's talking about the global elitist, global elitist, of course, meaning Jews. Um, and they think that they're going to become gods. That's what they tell us. Uh, you know, um, Harar and the rest of them at the World Economic Forum, you know, the ones that want us eating insects, cockroaches and that, while they dine on the blood of children. Those are the people, right? And they're not going to win. And that was a bit too much for Newsmax. And after that, they said, yeah, we're not dealing with this person anymore. She won't be back on. But she said it out loud. And no one just took her microphone away and said, get off my stage, get, get off my set. They just kept going with that. But this is what they talk about. Um, this is the stuff that they talk about. This is the blood libel is fully back in swing with QAnon. They're just straight up telling each other now that the Jews are out there drinking blood of children, usually Christian children, because, you know, you have to add in that little extra spice for flavoring yeah but, that's um, what but that's what they mean right yeah that's what they mean um and 
you know, even even the nastiest people on the left, like during that whole thing with Whoopi Goldberg several months ago, when I was arguing with people who were telling me that I'm not really an ethnicity, I'm not Jews, not a race. Those people on the left, even the nastiest ones don't get anywhere near this level of fucking anti-Semitism. Of craziness. Yeah, not even not even a fraction as close to this. You know, so, you know, that's just, there's just, just no comparison. I mean, on one side you have, well, it's a religion, not an ethnicity. On the other side, it's, you're a blood drinking cannibal monster. So, you know, there we go. Christ. Bob, cheer us up, please. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I can do that. Um, but uh, my uh, both sides this week is uh, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. There was a debate for the governor's race there between Joy Hoffmeister, who's the Democratic challenger, and, of course, Kevin Stitt himself, the current Republican governor of Oklahoma. And uh, Joy Hoffmeister, who, by the way, is leading in the latest poll. I think one of the polar, uh, poll aggregates have her just neck and neck. So it's entirely possible that Oklahoma could have a Democratic governor after the coming up midterms. Depends on, uh, of course, turnout. But uh, Hoffmeister said that Kevin Stitt, the Republican governor of Oklahoma, has resided over uh, just a, a huge crime rate in Oklahoma and was doing what she ought to be doing, which is telling the truth and saying that, yeah, all this screaming about crime. Well, the so many, in fact, the vast majority of the states with the highest crime rates are red states including Oklahoma. And Kevin Stitt was like, oh, that can't be. That's ridiculous. You mean to tell me that Texas or that uh, California and New York uh, have less crime than Oklahoma? That's ridiculous. <laughs> and the moderator was even playing along with that. Well, it turns out she was exactly right. Joy Hoffmeister was precisely on the nose as far as uh, violent crimes in Oklahoma per 100,000 people. The list of the top 15 states with the most violent crimes as of 2021, number 15, Kansas, number 14, South Dakota, number 13, Nevada, kind of a bluish purple state, uh, 12, Montana, 11, Texas, 10, Oklahoma, Kevin Stitz, Oklahoma, 9, South Carolina, 8, Colorado, 7, Michigan, 6, Missouri, 5, Alaska, 4, Tennessee, 3, Alabama, 2, Arkansas, 1, Louisiana. The vast majority, take out Colorado and Nevada, all the rest of those states, <laughs> red states, red states, highest crime rates Shocking. as of 2021 per one 100,000 people. So, yes, Joy Hoffmeister, correct. Kevin Stitt, absolutely wrong, lied on stage, lied to his own supporters, lied to his state about the crime rate there. And, uh, yeah, there's another case where Democrats telling the truth. Uh, about crime, about one of the many things that Republicans have been lying to their people about. Oh, disgusting. Um, yeah, but it's completely normal, though, right? That, that Again, like, Bob, it kind of goes to your piece this week on Herschel Walker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is great. If anyone hasn't read this, you, you need to read that. It's in the members only section, but it's about Herschel Walker and his fake police badge thing, where now being a lying, dishonest um, grifter is, is a virtue now. In, in Republican circles. Oh, yeah, really yeah. Is. They're using that badge thing to pivot to uh, crime, which is what they want to talk about. They don't want to talk about Herschel Walker's abortions. They just want to talk about crime. So that's what the badge did. Right. And it was successful. Yep, yep. It's, uh, again, it's a it's bizarro alternate reality that you can live in quite happily in, in, in America. Uh, so I'm saying we, real reality, again, I, I wish it would hit a little harder a little sooner. Um, By the way, I just want to note here, oftentimes Republicans will point out Chicago as being like this bastion of crime and gun violence and so on. Mm. On the list of cities with the highest crime rates, Chicago is number 31. Is that right? Nowhere near the top. Yeah, but I mean, Chicago the, the, has a lot of black people, and that's really what they're saying. Yeah, well, that's what they're doing. Whenever they mention yeah. Chicago, they're basically saying the N-word. That's the code yeah, that, word there. That's the yeah, dog that, whistle. <laughs> The right. top nine are Shreveport, 
Kansas City, Baton Rouge, Cleveland, Memphis, Baltimore, New Orleans, Detroit, and the city with the highest crime rates in the United States, Jackson, Mississippi. Oof. So there you go. Right? Chicago, nowhere near the top 10. Interesting. Um, if you want to wrap this podcast up with some good news, Steve Bannon has been sentenced to four months of prison. They were trying to get six, but they got yeah. four. Right. Yeah. And some people are saying, well, that's not enough. Well, I challenge any of those people to spend four hours in a federal penitentiary. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It is four months for Steve Bannon is going to be a long time. And not for nothing, it's contempt of Congress. We're not yeah. talking like, you know, capital the, murder the, the or most, anything like that. Yeah, it's not the most serious crime you can commit. There's only so much you can toss someone in jail for for that. So four months out of six, I'll take that. I'm fine with that. Yeah, great. Great news. Happy. That's a happy uh, happy ending to the See, podcast. Look at that. For first um, time in months, we've had a happy ending for happy a podcast. Happy ending to the podcast. So, well, look, guys, we're going to go into the members-only area, the members-only podcast. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, scrapes with death, scrapes with danger. I've got a great story for speaking you. Speaking of well, happy memories. Speaking of happy memories. Yeah, actually, this wasn't quite a very happy memory of mine, I've got to be honest. Yeah, um, tune in. You're going to find out how we all almost died. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> for an uplifting weekend listen uplifting weekend listen yeah <laughs> um, so we'll see you there we just thought we, I thought we'd gonna have a bit, bit of a different members only podcast today uh, but please join us there uh, you become a member you can get a free trial um, you want to listen to it for free you can just uh, try and then you'll get access to all of our premium content at the banter uh, and if you like it Stick around, stay with us, become a paid member. That's how we pay the bills. Um, that's what keeps us going. Uh, we really appreciate the support. We really appreciate all everybody listening. And we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.